We want to go to the phone lines and joining us from Saturday down south, Connor O'Gara, a senior national football writer, joining us on the program today. Connor, the time is always greatly appreciated on the eve of the month of July. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, doing well. You know, nothing really going on today in the college football <laughs> world. Just kind of take it easy. What if I had just come on the air and had actually no idea about what USC and UCLA did? You guys had to inform me, and I'm learning about all these things. But no, that, that is not the case. It's been a very busy afternoon. Yeah, I mean, uh, indeed it has. I think it took everybody aback. I mean, what, what was your sort of instant reaction? Did you have any idea that something like this could be coming? Because you're definitely more so plugged in than we are. We're very much so uh, more Auburn-centric and, and definitely a broader emphasis on the SEC. But did you see anything like this coming? Well, to, to borrow a phrase from the great Ranch Wilder of the famous movie Angels in the Outfield, it's about time, all right? It's about time the Big <laughs> Ten finally made this move to react to what the SEC did almost a year ago. And, you know, you see the reports come out. I saw Ross Dellinger talk about how there had been a, a committee in place to, to kind of be able to vet these moves. And we all thought that this was going to happen a long time ago, not necessarily USC and UCLA, but that the Big Ten was going to add these two teams. If you're the Big Ten, you have to keep pace with the SEC. You're trying to negotiate this new TV contract, and boy, did it make a big difference to be able to have this now in your corner where you can come out and say, we, we've got two major, major programs in terms of college athletics, their national brand, and the LA market. And so to see the Big Ten add add this, it's no longer the SEC against everyone else. It's the SEC against the Big Ten against everyone else. And now everybody's going to be calling up the Big Ten and the SEC, and if they're not, they're probably foolish. Why these two schools, Connor? Why, why do they make sense? Because people look at the, the geographic footprint of this, and they're probably a little concerned. You mentioned the big cities, the big hubs that could be factored into the Big Ten Conference with Los Angeles and New York and Chicago and that sort of thing. But these two schools in particular? I mean, who really cares in terms of geography when you've got Nebraska traveling to Piscataway to play Rutgers, all right? Like, <laughs> at this point, it doesn't really matter. I mean, everybody that's complaining about the geography, I'm like, all right, so so were you upset that Mizzou was playing Florida for the past 10 years, or we just, like, moved past that? Like, Boston College is playing Miami, okay? I think we can get over the geography of this entire deal and stop pretending like the regionalization of it matters. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's a very national sport now, and so I don't really buy into that whole belief. What, why it made sense is because of what they can offer in this next era. This next era is all about NIL. It's all about the potential pay-for-play era. That's why all of these schools are trying to find a way into getting a bigger revenue check. Think about this. My colleague Matt Hayes tweeted this out. We were heading into a world, if USC decided to do nothing, wherein USC would have been pulling in like $30 million bucks in annual revenue, and meanwhile, Vandy and Northwestern could have been raking in an $80 million revenue check. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense if you're USC. So it makes sense as to why the Big Ten was able to entertain that phone call and why it made sense for USC and UCLA to, to make this move ahead of what's coming. That's the biggest thing to remember. It's all about getting in the best place possible ahead of these new TV contracts. 
that's obviously what drives everything is money and that sort of thing. Let me ask one silly question, and then we'll kind of get back uh, more focused on, on the impact of all of this. It's always baffled me, and it's just something that we just laugh off and don't really talk about. But the idea that the Big Ten never really had 10 schools in recent memory in this century, and the Big 12 only had 10 members and that sort of thing. And we talk, are the names going to change of these conferences, Connor? It's hard to keep up with when you don't actually have that number of schools within each conference. Eh, who really cares? I mean, <laughs> the Big Ten has, it, look, it's got the easiest transition ever. It, it goes by B1G. I mean, I, I came to, to this company, Saturday Football, and from the jump, I, I came to, to start our Big Ten website, Saturday Tradition. That's why what I did in 2015 through 2017, and then they shifted me over. But we started using B1G back in 2015. They've been using that as like an official way to address the Big Ten, so they could just call themselves the Big. And they'd be fine. I mean, that's what I they like are it. at this point. They're, they're just the big. They are 16 teams. Their range is big. Their outreach is big. They have the three biggest TV markets in the United States now with Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York because Rutgers, of course, you could forget about them. So I think you just change it to the big and you're good. Connor, a question about the, the, the this move with USC, UCLA joining the Big Ten. If any, how does this affect the the alliance that was there between the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12? Blows it up into smithereens. Um, it, it it totally obliterates it. What alliance? I mean, I can't imagine that when George Klyakov and 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 Kevin Warren and you know they they all looked at each other and, and they were able, and Jim Phillips, and they're all able to say, you know what. We're going to be step for step with one another, but if you got to poach our biggest schools, just go ahead and do it. I can't imagine that was the conversation that was had during this very intimate agreement that became known as the alliance. No, it's dead. And what that could potentially mean is that this fight to keep the Rose Bowl as part of this playoff discussion, that should be dead as well. So if those two things are kind of up in smoke, then that changes the way that we discuss playoff expansion. If the SEC is now not fighting against the alliance, and if the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are no longer going to be in agreement of each other no matter what, then, hey, everybody's kind of free to vote for themselves, and it makes more sense for the Big Ten to vote in favor of expansion. It's just a matter of what, what those parameters are going to be. So I think it does kind of change some of those things as much as we can make our jokes, but there are actual, some, there are actual implications to this unofficial relationship dying. Colin, do you think this is the beginning of us heading to uh, three or four super conferences? Uh, I mean, two, two conferences. That that look, that's that's where we're at right now. I mean, it, it's it's two super conferences versus everyone else. I we're we're seeing the SEC and Big Ten within you know two three years here. They're going to have half of the Power Five. And think about the programs that have left: USC, UCLA, Oklahoma, Texas that have left and that's not to say that this is done let's think about what could potentially be added if these conferences want to continue to grow which man if you're oregon you're washington notre dame think about these conferences that are looking at these tv contracts that are not as good as what they could be if they joined one of these sec or big 10 conferences so i I think it it all all signs point to us getting to a place where we're probably going to have two super conferences and that's weird and that's going to be a tough thing to digest in terms of what it means for the playoff and just the entire sport at large, but it does start to feel like we're heading in that direction. 
How does the ACC respond to all of this? Our guest, Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. You could follow him on Twitter at CJ O'Gara uh, for all the latest news there. But the ACC, when we look at this, and obviously the news started a couple of years back when, when Oklahoma and Texas announced that they would be joining the SEC. That's a Big 12. The ACC hasn't necessarily had any of its member schools impacted by any of this. How do they factor into this? They better be getting up on the phone and, and calling every single one of those members because let's not forget here, both the Big 12 and the Pac-12 were totally off guard with these moves. These moves are not made with the current conference in mind. It's not like they're talking between each other and they're saying, ah, you know, it's not like one of those situations where, you know how like if you're, if you're in good standing with your company, maybe you've been there for a long time, and then you kind of tell your boss, like, ah, hey, you know what, I'm interviewing for other jobs, and kind of figure out what it's going to be. This is not that at all. So if you're the ACC, you need to be getting on the phone to Florida State, to Miami, to Clemson, North Carolina, Duke, all these programs that can actually offer a new conference something. And you need to make sure that you are in a good place with them, because if you're not, you could wake up tomorrow and see a headline and they're gone just like that. That's the world that we're living in in college football. And if there are people who still don't understand that, uh, man, I, I think they're naive with this entire thing. The sport is changing at a very rapid pace and it could be changing for the ACC. And it doesn't mean anything that it hasn't already changed for them. Connor, before the the bombshell dropped earlier today, I think one of the biggest talking points in college football was a change the ACC made earlier this week and going to their new non-divisions foot, uh, schedule. What do you th- what does that uh, mean for the ACC, and how does it affect uh, you know other conferences like the SEC, who's been wrestling with changing how they uh, look at their conference schedules? Tentatively speaking, <laughs> this is what we're going to have in terms of these fourteen teams in the ACC. The change that I thought it made, at least before all of this USC and UCLA news dropped, was this is going to perhaps open the door a little bit more for the SEC to stick with an eight-game conference schedule and to have the one-seven-seven model with one permanent team and then the seven rotating home and homes. And there are people who might not like that, but at the same time, let's also remember that the SEC has never played more conference games than another power conference. So if you're the SEC and you are going to have this 16-team super conference at least, then why does it make sense for you to go to a nine-game conference schedule, especially when playoff expansion is not imminent just yet? I think today's news suggests that expansion is a little bit more imminent for the playoff, but what I think it allows for is those four ACC-SEC rivalries to not necessarily close the door on that. If the ACC had come out and announced a nine-game conference schedule, we'd be like, all right, well, I guess that means Georgia Tech, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisville, all these, all those non-conference rivalries, those are very much in jeopardy. And instead, it looks like that door is still being left open. So I think we are getting closer to a one-seven-seven model for the SEC. Let's shift gears a little bit again. Connor O'Gara is our guest here from Saturday Down South. I want to talk about a story you wrote recently uh, where you dubbed it the decision heard around the college football world, but obviously Arch Manning's uh, recruitment came to a close. He committed to the Texas Longhorns. What does all this mean? It means that Texas is back. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) I think it's it's significant in terms of what Steve Sarkeesian is trying to build right now and the program that he inherited is, uh, in my opinion, in a much, much better place going forward with the way they've been able to recruit. It just seems like every single day they're getting a new blue chip. They're getting a new blue chip commitment in the 2023 class. So if you look at it from that standpoint, 
man, they're, they're really building the way that you would hope they would build. I, for those who are writing off the Quinn Ewers thing and saying that, oh, he's going to transfer the second arch walks on campus, I'm like, get out of here. Like, the guy's going to have so much runway with 2022 if he develops into one of the nation's best quarterbacks, which I think he will this year, given the talent, given the surroundings, then he's going to return as one of the best quarterbacks in college football. I don't think he's going to get benched going into his pre-draft season. So I think it, it's a very interesting thing to think about 2025 if and when Texas is coming to the SEC for the first time. We know they're coming to the SEC. The only question is when that will be. And think about what a debut season that would be for Texas to have Arch Manning in his pre-draft year joining the SEC. I mean, those storylines those story write themselves, and I would be absolutely here for that. Is, is the recruitment of Arch Manning, I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that nothing is, has really rivaled it, but, but how much so? Because uh, it feels like we've been following Arch Manning since he stepped foot in high school and ESPN's broadcasting some of the games, and he's got the, the name behind him and that sort of thing. Just how big of a deal is this kid? This is a one-of-one one situation, and time will tell if it's if he's going to be a one-of-one one talent. It's still too early to say that. Even when you watch some of his clips, you're like, what's this competition that he's playing against? That's not to say that it means he's overrated or overhyped, but we've never seen a player that has gotten this kind of love. We just have not, and he is going to be under more pressure and higher expectations than any player in college football history. And I think having the Manning name attached to that is such a big part of it, but he is the number one recruit in college football, and he is tied for the highest quarterback recruit we've ever seen with the likes of, ironically enough, Quinn Ewers and Vince Young. So that's going to be there. That's not going anywhere. Those expectations are going to be with him everywhere he goes. People are going to keep moving the goalposts. If he's anything short of Peyton Manning, people are going to label him as a bust, which is historically extremely unfair. But that's what he signed up for. Or maybe it's not what he signed up for, but it's what his family essentially signed him up for by being as dominant and as good as they were for as long as they were good. What's the latest with the NCAA football video games? I talked to Matt Brown about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and if you don't know Matt Brown, or Matt Brown, he publishes the Extra Points newsletter. He's the one who broke the story. The latest is that we are getting a college football video game in 2023. They're figuring out right now all the different traditions and whatnot that are going to be able to be incorporated. There are still a lot of things they're working out with being able to figure out collectives and if they're going to be able to use players' likeness in the game. Ideally, it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of incentive for them to get that done. They still need to figure out what that looks like. But they're right now in the process of trying to get as many of these traditions as possible. I mean, having an eagle fly in the beginning of an Auburn game. Would I was going to put you on cool the spot. Touch. I was going to put you yeah. on the spot on what needed to be there for Auburn. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the type of stuff that we're talking about. I don't know that we're going to get neck in Baton Rouge. We can only hope that they'll let the band play neck. But you know what? If they don't, I think there's still going to be a lot of cool touches to this game. And who knows? Maybe we're even going to see coaches like this getting used. If you recall from the last video game, that wasn't something we could make happen. But now it seems a little bit more likely. And you know, from a recruiting standpoint, it kind of makes a lot of sense. I would bet Lane Kiffin would want to make sure that his face is in that video game. And there are a lot of other coaches who would be right there with him. So it, it is happening in 2023, uh, July. And it's just a matter of kind of getting those details figured out right now. Connor O'Gara is here with us. And the time is always greatly appreciated on a day where news breaks. Uh, we had set up this conversation a little bit ago, and, and here we are with a lot of things to talk about. You've got USC and UCLA set to join uh, the Big Ten, and then Kevin Durant's requesting a trade. I mean, it's just chaos out there, Connor. Right. It is. You know, is Kevin Durant going to go to the Big Ten? Is, is that the way this is all kind of breaking down? Like, 
been a wild day in sports. I, I thought it was supposed to be, you know, Fourth of July weekend, kind of ease into things. No, 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 no. It's, it's been none of that. It's been a wild day, but you know what? This is why we do what we do year round. Will you consume hot dogs on the Fourth of July? I won't because I'm actually going to be in Utah, and I don't think the they're hot anti dog hot dogs. Situation, yeah, they're they're, <laughs> they're going to pull out some like vegan hot dog on me or something like that. We'll, we'll find a way to get some some quality food while we're out there. We're going to Zion National Park. Um, so it's going to be a good time. I'll be consumed more by by the views probably than the hot dogs. But awesome. you know, if if we can make that happen, that that would be ideal. I'm just I'm not getting my hopes up for that. <laughs> Connor, thanks again for the chat today, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you at SEC Media Days here in a few short weeks. Okay. Absolutely appreciate it, guys.